You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Everybody, and welcome to the latest episodes of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Conor O'Neill, joined today by Chris Beasley and Gap Buckland. As we look back on Everton's huge 1 0 win over the Giants to Goodison Park on Saturday afternoon, it wasn't pretty, it wasn't a classic, but Seamus Coleman's second half under strike was enough to secure the Blues all three points and make it back-to-back wins at Goodison Park for Sean Dyche. We'll look back on the game, where it leaves Everton the table, and of course, focus on the man of the moment, that is Seamus Coleman, who marked his 401st appearance for the club in spectacular style. Bees to kick off. It wasn't a classic. It won't live long in the memory, but the three points were absolutely huge. Yeah, I don't think the game will live uh, long in the memory in terms of that. <laughs> It's like there's a spectacle, I'm sure, but those memories of the winning goal and what it actually meant, like say, um, definitely would. Um, also, about becoming like the Mutual Appreciation Society, I'll pick out um, Gavin Buckland's stat there about how um, this time uh, since, was it Tommy Wright, 1971, that uh, in a home league game gap, that a, a right back had scored uh, the only goal. And then the week of, well, the previous home game had been the first times Someone have been wearing the number two since that aforementioned uh, game. So I've got to take my half to Gav for coming up with those two. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so just to clarify, so Tommy after Tommy Wright scored yeah. the goal of the game against Man United at Goodison in February '71, the next number two to score the only goal of the league game at Everton, I called the summer James Tarkovsky the other week. But of course, yeah. he's playing centre half and. The next player to score the winning only goal of a league game at Goodison for Everton. They're playing a right back with Seamus on there, uh, Seamus on Saturday, which was uh, a, a, a decent coincidence, as indeed is the stat that Everton, Everton have won all, well, they've only beaten in all 28 games that Seamus has scored. So we score for the club, but well, he's a bit of a ma- lucky mascot for us, isn't he? Definitely. Um, yeah, I said, man at the moment has come up. Um, and, it, and he meant it. And uh, you know, Seamus is honest, and I think everyone um, knows that. And, but what I would say uh, before we move on is that um, the manager obviously said before, and he wasn't there. Frank Lampard would always do this as well. He wouldn't tr- put any sort of extra emphasis on any particular game. And okay, that's what they have to say in public. And I understand why they have to say that. We know we try and ask them the questions, and uh, they, they straight pass it. But we all knew it was both 39,000 people. In Goodison Park, 
knew exactly how big a game that was in terms of not just the result on the day, but the momentum that it brought with and, and the feeling of um, going out the, the relegation zone. Just the two ways the team teams are, are traveling at the moment. Yeah, it was absolutely massive and um, uh, just relieved to get it over with and get that get the point forever. Gap me, you spoke at half time. I think you were both somewhat disappointed about what we'd seen, but uh, Sandy lacking inspiration. I think, <laughs> I think it's the right way to say what we've witnessed in the open 45 minutes for both sides. For that moments of magic from Seamus Coleman, it got close and absolutely rocking, didn't it? Yeah, of course, it's a family podcast. We may not necessarily be able to repeat our conversation in the press yeah. room at half time. The thoughts are involved inside of it. I need some, I, I, I rapidly crumbling apart meat pie as well. well um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. um, but no, seriously, yeah, I mean, Chris is right, isn't it? I, I, I know it's easy to, to say these things in that respect, but. In the rest of the season, that was a pivotal game in, in, in many respects. That, that Leeds game, even when Dice came in, I know the Arsenal game was a bit of a bonus. That was where the season started, really, wasn't it? Yeah. The Leeds game. And so, consequently, it's a huge, huge shape of the rest of the campaign. And Khan also, because we're playing Leeds as well. So, it was, you know, that six-pointer, uh, which we've not been very good at winning this season. Yeah. That'd be really. So, it was a massive game. For us to uh, to win, and you know, Seamus, as you say, I think I still hope this time for them to win a trophy at Goodison. But that's it. There's going to be moments like that. He's going to be remembered for, isn't it? Really, you know, big game, big moments, and he, he produced the goods. And he may be about 34, 35, but and uh, it's easy to sort of, I don't know. Don't know because he's a sixty thousand pound player. It's a bit patronising a little bit with Seamus, and and as I've said before on the podcast, at his peak, which is probably ten years ago now, he was no better, probably no better right back in the in the, in the Premier League than him, and that was the case for a couple of years. So, yeah, for him to produce that in a, in a game of such magnitude, um, and also the one moment of quality was was testimony to him. And his personality, and uh, I mean, it was great to see the ball that he got during the game afterwards because he's been a top professional, and uh, he showed that there's a there's a there's another eighteen months there. I think easier than that. These gaps are there, there you know, the one real moments of quality, and never you know you could say that he did have a quality save in the final third. But from a team perspective, and the way Sean Dyche set them up, you know, you can see that the clear difference is kind of what we witnessed under Frank Lampard at his worst end of his tenure. Yeah, just uh, let's probably go on. So I've had like a get just on Sh- Seamus still. Where, well, he would if I was excellent before he he, he did that. He, he was having a terrific game anyway. I mean, obviously, uh, like I said that one more moment of inspiration when he was needed because as we'll probably come on to obviously the, the lack of goals within the team. But yeah, there, it was um, disappointment in the derby. But you know that's existed long before Sean Dyche came to the club. Um, yeah, the fact that um, Leeds United, we got into that fixture fair in that, you know, they, they've done well against Manchester United, um, got a point at Old Trafford and then pushed them a long time at Ellen Road before a couple of late goals there. They're a, a very energetic team and obviously that's a sort of, uh, hang, not hangover, but I don't know why, it's the residue that remains from Bielsa's time at, at, at the club and uh, you, you feared what they might do to Everton in that respect. Um, 
But yeah, to restrict them to, to no shots on, on target. I mean, Jordan Pickford will sell another more straightforward afternoon. Well, Pickford himself has bought as he said, more like quiet, more like quiet as yeah, and it's, yeah, and it was even sort of spicing things up towards the end. I mean, we commented on it in the, the fret box when he started rolling around and uh, he, he takes it as long as he's enjoying himself because you know, a bit of a heart and mouth moment for people watching from the stands. But yeah, uh, to restrict them to that, um, it was absolutely comfortable. You just hope that, cause like we said, there have been games like this this season against Wolves where they should have Wolves ended up losing against uh, Southampton going ahead there and losing. That, you know, if they didn't take the chances at um, the way it was something like loads and loads of clear-cut chances, but they were getting the ball into the box and just hope that they they, they take one of those. And obviously, yeah, it took that moment of inspiration for Seamus to make the breakthrough. But yeah, they, well, it was a game that Everton were in command of. It was nice that they were actually able to see see it over the line and actually get the job done. And I think Matt Jones, who obviously... Um, joins us on a regular basis on the podcast, not with us today, but he just said, just being competent in the Premier League can get you a certain amount of points. And the sad fact is that Everton haven't been competent on far too many times this season, whereas they just did enough ahead and then that got them the three points. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Gavin, you spoke a few times on the pod, certainly when Frank Lampard was struggling towards the end of his tiny ball. Everton, the coach, didn't know he probably wasn't a very well-coached team. We're heading now, we're seeing the opposite down out in way. You're seeing this is a team Sean Dyche should clearly got a hold of and he's coached them in a way that he believes is going to be effective for them to stay. But it might not be pretty. It might not be one of the most beautiful ways to do things, but it's effective. So far, against a certain type of opponents, yeah. It's, um, and, and notwithstanding the Arsenal game, um, whether that's every game you can get away with it, you know, Let's, let's, I mean, the elephant in the room here is a little bit. That was a terrible game on Saturday, wasn't it? Between two teams that were, you know, well, moderate to say, you know, being kind. A, a, a decent mid-table team, I think, on Saturday would have beaten both of them, to be fair. Um, and, you know, so we are certainly better coached. They're certainly, you know, getting more out of the players, but you still need that extra little bit of quality. Now, we may we may escape with that at the end of the, between now and the end of the season. And with all with better coaching, we get a bit more confidence, we start playing a bit more a bit more fluid, fluidity and imagination. But we shouldn't kid ourselves. It was a, a self game. And let's face it, Leeds played the worst team. She had a good this season? I would yeah. think so. I would say I so. Mean, I mean, I thought Southampton were poor, but Leeds were even worse. Um so definitely better coach Connor, but I think that'll only get us so far. So we just need to temper that. Um, is that enough to keep us up? Only time will tell. I think, as I say, the, I think we need to improve on what we're showing on Saturday, really. But then again, we, that type of game is always going to be like that. It reminds me, Chris, of a very old school FA Cup semi-final of the many years ago, where both teams were absolutely petrified, and. Um, 
because of the occasion. And it was hoping some of our performance was down to that, but we still need to improve massively, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you are right. You are you are right that we are we do look a better coach team, be more far more confident in what we're doing. But I do think there's scope for enormous improvements and certainly goal scoring capability as well is still still an issue for us, isn't it, as we saw on on Saturday. Just just stick with you know, in terms of the results and, and three points, they were almost made even more significant by everyone looks at the you know, the, the results at five o'clock and the season around everything yeah. the points that a lot of people probably didn't think they would pick up. No, no, exactly. I mean, but for uh, Moises' travails at West Ham, we'd probably still be in bottom three or thereabouts. Yeah, Adam. So it was an important win for us. Southampton and Bournemouth both winning. Um, but what what those results have done, all of a sudden you were thinking, a fortnight ago before the Arsenal game, it's three out of four. Possibly, it's looking like possibly three out of seven now, isn't it? You know, they start the, the, they started to to group uh, together, gather, haven't they? The top, the bottoms, seven or eight teams. So that's good in some respects. But um, yeah, you see the other results. I mean, we don't need to get a debate on putting the results up there during the game, do we? Um, no, but that you know, so just. Well, I see. That's right. That's why I should host the podcast. Yeah. But yeah, um, I, I think um, yeah, seeing the other results, but it was, a, it was a vital win, and this these three or four games are vital for us. Are in terms of getting points on on board? I think we've all identified that, haven't we? Bees, we are going to touch our work. The results are up on the big screen because obviously it was something that I picked up on during the game and turned to Tony Scott and and said, "Well, that's just not going to calm the nerves, is it?" Um, Obviously, something like you picked up on yourself. Yeah. Michael Ball, uh, you know, Steve's a whole columnist, yeah. picked up it. But what I thought was very interesting, I spoke to Seamus Colrass, the game in, in, in the mix over in the Gullison Sunday. I know prompted, he actually referenced yeah. it and said it was in the poor goal. But when you seen the scholars flash up on the ball with a couple of minutes to go, it didn't do much to settle our nerves. So the tension was, was clear for all to see. And it was a moment in which, you know, Everton just like spice things up and um, um, make Everton a little bit more squeaky bum side. Yeah, yeah. If 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 even Seamus Cole and Everton captain is admitting that uh, it made him nervous a couple of minutes right. ago, I mean that suggests it's probably not a good idea. And um, I'll wait and see. But uh, yeah, I spoke to to Michael Ball about it today because he tweeted on it himself. Um, and yeah, he he wasn't um, a fan of it. He says he says you know I need to read the room on this. As it always happened in football, half time the other scores come up. Used to before my time, but obviously um, I'm sure Gab will remember the old uh, alphabet board at, um, at Goodison. I mean, uh, it's a, it's, no, a staple of, of many football grounds, and we've we've uh, we've always had that um, in football the half time scores, which you seen dot that um, I don't know when the first time they flashed up. It was, Quite early on, the first half, perhaps. There was a shift at the back. It'd be on the first half, the yeah. half time, and then they flashed up towards the wasn't Regularly, but now I, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. And I think any, the argument that, but I think both myself, Michael Ball, and a lot of people are saying, especially if they're going against you, but just you don't need any unnecessary distractions. I know we live in a world now where it's completely different than those two last day escapes in 94, 98. And, I remember I was at the end of Wimbledon 94 
people on the pitch still didn't actually know that Everton had stayed up at that at that point. And I think it was only for Phil McNulty filtered it through to colleagues in the press box that Everton were indeed safe at, at that point. So, okay, we don't live in that age now. And the days if I remember going on, on holiday to Spain and waiting two days to find out what the result was because you'd get the English newspapers from the day before. Everything's instant now with the internet. So, you know, the fans want to get, and if they can indeed get Wi-Fi within Goodison, the fans can actually look on their phones and, and see what's going on elsewhere should they want to do that. I think it is, it's not the best of ideas flashing up on a huge scoreboard where the, the, the players can can see it. And especially, you know, it's, it, there's so many, like you say, half the, not half the division, but, you know, so many teams now involved in that relegation zone. There's so many different um, permutations and results that could affect Everton in some way. Just concentrate on what you're doing and then look at the, the results when, it, when it's all finished. Campus, you sat there a little bit nervy when you seen them scores pop up on the big screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. It can work the other way, can't you? If they're all getting beat, you can sort of switch off a little bit, can't you? As well. Yeah, well, I still think exactly. yeah, that's the problem. The other way, Gab, if the results are going in your yeah. favour, then, you know, you yeah. go, it's all right. You, it all you may think, oh, you know, the point of, the point of these results today, yeah. we'll, we'll slot for that, and then you get, yeah. you get you know, see the looks minute. Yeah. Um, winner. So it can work, work a couple of ways, can't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was one of them days. It was it was always going to be, for like the likes of Bournemouth and Southampton, Sort of a win-win for them, wasn't it? Because Evan and Leeds were going to win all the draw, so it was always going to be a game where they were always going to win. But thankfully for us, on the day where both of them won, that we uh, we got the victory. And it only goes to show, for all that I'm saying about we must significantly improve. A lot of a lot of the the sort of end of season positions or where we sit is going to be dependent on other clubs, isn't it? To some respect, in some respects, it's taken out of our hands. There's only so much we can do, as you saw last season, to a degree. So, yeah, but I, I think there'll be there'll be a rethink. Um, I think that would be the case. Mind you, saying that if we're winning three 0 on Saturday in Bournemouth and Southampton are both getting beat three 0 then they uh, <laughs> might put up, put, put up on the screen five minutes in the end. But yeah, I, I think we can avoid that. We've all been, we've all been in grounds, haven't we, where we've being fed misinformation years ago. And um, yeah, I think I think it's shame this is making the point as club captain that it made them feel uncomfortable. I think you may see that given a miss on Saturday and I fully agree with that. Yeah, just co- just common sense. Like you say, Gavin, if Evan are 3-0 up and the others are 3-0 down, there's five minutes to go, maybe, but you know, not. Yeah, yeah. Well, and everybody knows that anyway, but yeah. it is, it's just one of the things, isn't it? It's like, it's just content, isn't it? Yeah. Just generally speaking, now match day is about content, isn't it? Yeah. And that is content across the grounds is the latest good. And I've absolutely not got a problem with that because it's just reflecting what people are seeing on the phones. But for the plays, it's a it's yeah. a slightly different story, isn't it? Really, you know, it can affect their performance. And I've seen that seen that happen many many times. At, uh, most famously, Chris, and as you well know, I'm going off subject here, right. 1977, Sunderland. Oh, yeah. Uh, we played with them on the final day, and they thought they'd stayed up because of what had gone on at Bristol City and Coventry, and then they found out that they'd um, actually been relegated. So there's, there's lots of... Um, After a very strange end to that game as well, wasn't it? And a very sort of um, slow-paced finish. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So there's, there's lots of... Uh, 
there's not there's lots of ways in the fact game, but I think I think we'd all agree we don't want to see that in the future and then if he sort of causes another thing to score, so I think the players will say that. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Obviously, bees in terms of before the game, yourself and I were out on Spellow Lane, the Royal Warmers fans, again, protesters, and, and made their feelings and to where the club's being run. Crystal clear, but once again, inside Goodison Park, Goodison was absolutely rocking and, and back to Fortress Best, and that's going to be crucial, isn't it? Like we've seen against Arsenal, we've seen against Leeds now, you know, the fans again are going to have to play a major role and get, get the side up there. Yeah, we, we, as you say, we were we were covering uh, the protest. We weren't sinking any any fight to the Royal Oak. We were outside, we weren't actually in there, but um, yeah, they were, I, I, would, I, would, I was there for the Arsenal game as well. I would imagine they look to be similar sort of numbers to me. Um, taking that same route again with the banners, it was all it was all very similar to be fair, and so there was no sort of feeling that it was riddled. Yeah, and there was no sort of very vehement in um, in their intentions, but like you said, in, in a civil manner and not in a violent manner in any way, but uh, very forceful. Those supporters of, of I would estimate several. Thousand, I don't know. I did counting crowds like that. There was, you know, it certainly filled the streets. Um, um, and there doesn't seem to be any 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 let up in this respect. Um, the, the board of directors weren't there again. They were obviously they were at Anfield on the Monday night across Stanley Park. Uh, they deemed that that was safe, but they weren't at Goodison Park again. But the the message just um remained clear. Um, I was doing a a piece with uh, another publication and regularly had me on as a guest, and they were saying that uh. That the protests sort of start and stop with uh, based on the results, but whereas I admit that you know the same mistakes that Far Hard Machinery is admitted to, they would have still happened, but the protests might not have happened if Everton were up further up the table and they weren't in this mess. But I think even if Everton are to sort of move away from trouble under Sean Dyche, hopefully they can. As I said, it's big ask, but if they were, it doesn't necessarily seem like the process will stop in. Uh, from what I've seen, because I, I think that there's, there's so much feeling in that now, and uh, there's a feeling that that you know, a line has been crossed, and possibly from a point which the supporters feel that they they, they can't uh, return properly. And Sean Dyche has said himself he's learning about the Amazonians, and he still has a lot to learn. But uh, as long as they can park those frustrations when they come into the stadium and get behind the team, which he which they've done again. He doesn't have uh, have a problem with that, but it would be interesting to see how it does pan out between now and the end of the season. Because at the moment, there doesn't seem to be much um, sign of that feeling abating. Gavin seems to look back things back on the pitch. Obviously, you know the whole talk was on Shingles cold with the weekend, but one man he did waste the ball extra at the end to wrap her up and hmm. make everyone feel slightly more at ease. Was applied to Corey. He was described by a couple of fans on social media after games like a new signing. How impressed have you been since you know he come back into the fold? Because obviously he was someone who's seen when he froze now despite Frank Lampard and didn't get with Philip in, but no one's a Sean Dyche. He's, he's come back in and he's he's played every minute of every game under the no one's it under Dyche. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I just believe in uh, the Anfield game after that analysis. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, Decore, he's, he's done okay. I thought I was... He's, um, he's been more like he was a couple of years ago. Disappointed, you know, and I don't want to just pick on him, but in all this... I was reminded of this at the end of the game. In all this talk of, like, marginal gains and all this in football and diet and exercise... The first thing I'd do if I was a coach is make sure you can kick with your left foot properly. Because it was just, you know, that thing at the end, it's because he couldn't kick with his left foot. He, and he's a professional footballer. He ended up having to pull it on his right foot. The chance had gone. And that really frustrates me in all the talk about, you know, fitness coaches and diet coaches and throwing coaches and all this. Tell you what, get, get a coach to, you know, teach your players to kick with their other foot. You know, you'll find you get lots of benefit with that. We might have got that on Saturday, but that aside, yeah, I thought he was, um, I thought he was decent. I, I, as as indeed was was the, was the midfield after a bit of a sluggish start. Garner guy had a good game, didn't he? He did his is now like was regular sort of if he if he passed to the opposition centre forward from the halfway line early on, but once he got that out of his system, he was he was yeah. he was pretty decent. Uh, and Arna had a couple of good chances. And, and and against the Leeds team that is struggling, I thought they did they did okay in the midfield. I thought the core was uh, was decent within that. And um, it, I think for what we're trying to achieve at the moment, I think that midfield is about right in terms. Of, I don't think it's a great balanced midfield, but in terms of dragging out games and you know keeping it tight and getting involved in more balls of attrition, I think that's that's it. That midfield's about right, but it's certainly not balanced. But uh, but yeah, to go out his path, I thought I thought he had a, a decent game and, and fair play to him. I don't give him a bit st- stick last time I was on, but it was a decent cameo by Alice Simmons, wasn't it on on Saturday? And he he set up that chance to me for for Decore. But yeah, so again, Decore's like the rest of the team against the better team. I'd like to see him, you know, especially waiting from home. I'd like to see him if he's, if he's got the same effectiveness. What one down for Dolby spoke from the afternoon was Andrew O'Neill and Pearl Finjus in, in the second half. Sean Dice seemed to play down after the game that O'Neill did himself with, with, with one of his tweets, but they'll be a nervous way going to this week of Finch Fowl to make sure that he's fit and available for Saturday's game Aston because he's become a, an integral part of, of everything that's been about Everton in recent weeks. Yeah, he's come a long way. Was, uh, I was at uh, the... the um... The away fixture between no sick, no sick, no same two teams. Aston Villa went when he made his debut, and it was that was quite the debut because he had uh, an impact to Cole Fens and about a two month feet. You could see even back then he was very raw still at that point and very much learning. I think there was uh, was like a, a rookie and do a rugby tackle against Nottingham Forest in in on his own debut. Um, let's get set off. Yeah, um, <laughs> we see sure where he's come from there from last August. Um, yeah, and he's. Such a you know the physicality that he brings, the the, the energy and uh, some some lovely silky touches as well. The silk as well as steel and and, and that. So yeah, he'd be, be a big match. I mean, hopefully it was all right. He didn't seem to be hobbling too much. I mean, he went out, he straight away he was going off, and that was going to be the end of his afternoon. Um, thought he could have done better actually with that chance when it just that a gay um she crossed into him after uh, nutmegging the lead player. That was a decent one. He's leaning back. I think he should have done better hit the target there, but. Yeah, just offers um, so much and such such a presence in there. So you got to hope that now uh, he's all right because last thing you need is any more injuries. Uh, 
Gabby, you touched on there, but obviously Ellis Sims was taken out of the side that O'Neill Murphy replaced in the fourth Saturday's game. Having now seen both of them under Sean Dyche, is have you got one who would prefer to see Dyche to put moving forward? The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. But Bob Mopay or Alice Sims, man? Yeah. Obviously, Bob Mopay or Bob Mopay. Give around the same time. Game time. Yeah. In terms of both Mopay and Alice Sims, it's Mopay all day long because I think he's a more established Premier League player. Uh, and I thought, he, yeah, and I know there's a bit of stick going around, isn't it, about saying players work hard and stuff, and, and I get that, but I thought he was effective. On, I mean, he had the chance, didn't he? Was he, was he one of the players that had the header off the line? Uh, Do you think it was in two sessions? Was it both, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought he, I thought he worked really hard, put himself about a bit. He's obviously not a natural lone striker as such, but I'd, I'd take his experience and know how over Allison's rawness at this moment in time, given where we are. But actually, Sims has sent Baxter suited us at the end of the game, didn't it? Because he had a bit more space than what he had against Liverpool. He's obviously pushing for it, you know, an equaliser. And consequently, he was as marked as tightly, and he, he he was able to hold up the ball a bit better than what he did at Anfield. But I'd mope mo- by all that all day long for me, as a, as a as a lone striker. I I'll be within that. I think there's obviously limitations on what we can do because he's not a natural. Do you think almost though, in a way, Sean Dyche may have stumbled across the perfect formula on Saturday in terms of starting mope and try and get themselves into a leader, something to hand on to. Then bring Gallus Sims on to hold the ball. We may have almost stumbled across the, the right way to use both of them moving forward and absences on the yeah. Possibly if you're winning, definitely. Um and you know, but the important thing there is is if you're winning. But um yeah, and and, and maybe that's gonna be Sims as well between now and the end of the season. It is in tight games if we're if we're winning or even if we're drawing say away from home. Just come on for the last 10, 15 minutes and put yourself about a bit. Um Dennis Sackwell Arcee style and that, that, that did work hard Gav that did work hard he did didn't he yeah yeah he <laughs> won't give me give Sack any stick and you know and, and then just sat with the opponents and, and, and I think he did that very well and it was a good bit of skill wasn't it to set up to corner wasn't it With nice nice little bit of bit of vision and awareness to uh, know where he was even though he was out of sight of him when he made the pass and yeah I thought he did really well was made up for what I was Performance of Anfield best be described as disappointing, but he wasn't the ultimate, was he really? Bees and Ogaf just right there in terms of, you know, I think both Mopay and Sims have got limitations from an attack point of view for Everton. But Everton are almost now about to find a way to overcome them limitations because reading between the lines, it looks like Don McCarthy won't be available, certainly. This week, given what Chordice had last week, given in the sense of we need to focus on the players available to us, not the ones who are available. Yeah. That didn't read to me as someone who's become will be coming back anytime soon or certainly not by this month. So Everton need to find a way of 
getting the best out of them limitations of past already. Yeah. Even if he does, I just just don't think you can sort of depend on him at the moment, unfortunately. And that if he, if he does come back, I mean, the manager's talked how extensively about all these lifestyle questions he's going to sort of put to him, you know, um, what's his diet like, how... How long does he sleep every night? What mattress does he got? Does he lie on? What car does he drive? Stuff like that. No stone unturned. But hopefully he can get to the bottom out of it. But he, you know, if he if he doesn't, I think we're in a situation there where it could be that Dom's in and then he's out again. And just don't know how much he can take um, right now. So yeah, you have to sort of look beyond that and look for alternatives. I mean, we keep going on there. Before Dice came in, we wondered whether we're going to go four four two because he primarily used that formation, and the best part was nine and a half years at Burnley, and he hasn't gone that way yet. So you don't know whether Mopey and Sims can play together or another combination. I mean, Marty Gray hasn't started the game yet for for Everton, so on the Dice. So if um if he's looking for harder work down the flanks and he's got a Warby McNeil that wide, maybe the way for Gray to come back in the team is is. As an, a central attacker, and but again, it's like who do you sacrifice in the middle? Then so there are a lot of permutations going forward, and the way that they they both might be be used. I just wonder if at some point you might see the two of them together. Gav and Bees is a bit questionable for you. Don't back to Seamus Coleman because it feels like you know he is the man of the moment and, and give his age and stuff. Obviously, off was made up the transfer fee, but in terms of signings you've seen for Everton, how? Where does he even rank on the list of kind of the most influential, the best that the club have made? I'll come to you first, Gav. Well, in terms of... You're sort of in terms of like loan expected value for money, you mean? Well, not in terms of... He's always, he's always going to win that power for pounds and he's whatever can pay for in, in, you know, to, what I'm saying is in terms of influence and the impact that they've had the football club for a, a, a sustained period of time. Well, in the Premier League era, um, when they say 60,000 60, and the best 60,000 the club is spent, I would dispute that because Peter Reid was 60,000. Oh. And he was a hugely influential player with all due respect compared to Seamus. So, um, so yeah, but in the Premier League era, pound for pound, you know, it's not just Everton. There's, there's probably other clubs you'd say, you know, in terms of where he come from and and his background, you know, it's a tremendous sign and he's been, obviously, he's the influential skipper and off-the-field presence for us for a number of years. So, at Premier League, here to say 21st century, few better. I mean, I'd say, I'd say money we pay for Kale will probably easily compare, I'd say, and a lot of Moises signings, to be fair, you know, think what what was last got five million? You know all those money signings of three three to five million that he was so good at. Let's got Jags Baines Baines was six, wasn't he? Two uh, million. Oh, that's um, you yeah. know, a lot, first time round. Yeah. A lot. Moyes was Moyes was um, expert at buying them sort of lower middle ranking signings, I suppose you'd call it. He was great at that, and they all were, were great value for money. Because Seamus, is, it's just a small sum. I mean, in some respects, he's thought so far that actually cost £60,000, you know what I mean? Because it's if he comes from Ireland on a three, it does have the same... It's, it's weird, isn't it? it does, 
it doesn't have the same impact as if like it was just that just would have if it come a fee like as if that would have just happened by accident you know it's the fact that they actually paid the fee it's it sort of thought of it it's also sort of means that there's been a bit of intelligence and savvy around it and he was signed by Moyes as well so yeah I, I think in the Premier League era pound for pound as good as uh good as what you what what we've made in terms of his longevity his influence his it's sort of been upholding the values of what you think an Everton player should should be on and off the pitch. Obviously he's had a you know a lengthy international career. So we'd be well up there in the Premier League era. Um to be honest with you. And honestly I think there's 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 life in the old dog yet, I think. Yes. Based on, on Saturday's performance and indeed the, the Arsenal game as well. So um yeah, good yeah, and, and he deserves that. He's not gonna win a trophy. Evan, he deserves all the 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 the, the applause and the, the applause that he got on Saturday. It was, it was tremendous to see that 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 goal. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think what's interesting about Gav when you say Neville's his international career is that I know that he's been spoiled in the past, though people there's people who believe he should have retired from an Everton perspective. You know, we should he should call Tower as a snatched up career. I remember an interview where he'd done where he basically said, you know, as a, as a person, as a, as a man, he can't say no to his country. As long as his country is the last one to play, he's going to make himself available because, you know, he feels it'd be wrong to to say no to represent his country, which, again, is testament to the man that he is, isn't he? That, he, you know, he, he almost feels like it's a pretty privilege to be in the position that he is, more so than, you know, other players with the first chance they get jump at the international title because they just can't bother any more travelling. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I get that, and I think Ireland players have, have always been loyal, haven't they? I think, I think it's one of them things. Um, so yeah, I, that, but that's just typical of the man, isn't it? I think with Seamus, and, and that can work for you. Keeps you keeps you incentivised, doesn't it, for playing first team football if you if you know that maybe you've got a major tournament still still in yet. So yeah, absolute top class, you know. But, Definitely one of the best value for money signings, certainly in the Premier League era. And he's he's um, just trying to think where he'd been our all time right backs. I think he'd be in being the top five, top five or six. Top five. This is for the Evans history. That's quite a decent, uh, decent ranking. Bees, the floor is yours. What does Pashimus rank for you? Well, look, Premier League, just Gav says Premier League era, he's, he's, he's number one, isn't he, in his position in Premier League era, I would say. And um, in terms of all Premier League clubs, um, like we said, pound for pound, should, I think you'd struggle to put you know, a stronger case for anyone else. No, say, obviously, excluding Bosman's. Um, but when a fee has actually been paid for a contracted player, then now he, he, he's, he's, he's the biggest bargain out there. But as all, as, as, as Gav's already said, that, you know, it, it's. It's it's not um, talk isn't cheap when we when we use these phrases and just what a, what a model pro he is what an ins, an inspiration I had I think I, I put actually before the derby because he he obviously remains the only um, Everton player to have won in front of fans uh, a, a Merseyside derby match and it was his four hundredth game for Everton and that uh, when he went to Anfield last week and I dare say Everton would have won a few more of those derbies if there's a few more with the character of. Uh, of Seamus Coleman and uh, you know, an absolute um, leader and an inspiration. And he's unfortunately, I mean, times change, but I think he's the last that I saw that particular breed of 
player. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but for that certain mentality they possessed. And there was a lovely moment actually the other week. Uh, and Nicola McMahon, a long time Everton uh, employee, I think she had over 40 years now at, at the club, the daughter of um, Tommy Clinton, the uh, the former Republic of Ireland uh, right back. And Shane was actually handed her at, at, at an island um, cap. I believe Alan Kelly, the goalkeeper coach, have been played a big part with that with the. FA of Ireland were getting that sorted for him. It was a lovely moment, and he sort of sort of epitomised just how important um, Seamus is to the whole Everton family. Dan, you, know, you, you spoke then about you know, in terms of there's another 18 months or so, you know, possibly left in him or play was better. But Seamus is the type of man, isn't it? Who you'd want to keep around if he chooses to hang up his boots. You know, he wouldn't. He, he seems to have so much to offer in terms of the way he is, the way he you know, present, presents himself as persona. It. If you're a young guy coming through Everton, you'd be no better person to look up to than Seamus Coleman if he was in and around the club. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think that's a, that's probably given. That's been a given for a number of years, hasn't it, really? I think we said that on, on the pod, that he would remain at Everton in, in, in some capacity, either on the coaching staff or as an ambassador or, or both. And obviously, maintains that. We've always had like, strong artist connections anyway, going back to the, yeah, go back to the 50s. And it, it helps maintain that link with with the the Republic of Ireland as well. So yeah, I think I think that's a given. I think he'll be here for a for a, a long time. I'm not I'm not sure what his what, what his coaching aspirations are or managerial aspirations. That's for for another day. You know, a bit a bit is Coleman's dream team and the dugouts is uh, you know possibly. But yeah, he's uh, yeah he's had a great career and and I've seen. I've seen players have great Everton careers and not win anything. People like McLean springs to mind and stuff, and all the push doesn't necessarily you've not won a trophy. It, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you've been unsuccessful. I mean, I was I was talking. I, I think I mentioned to say Dean Ashton talking about this. You obviously played for Norwich and West Ham, and he had finished his career quite quite early, didn't he, through injury, and and he was talking about this and. He was saying not not all, and I get this. Not all players measure their success and and the happiness of a career about what they've won. It's like you know, you, you you're more you you're just as much likely to to gauge your career about how much love and affection and respect you've had off supporters of the clubs that you've played. What's well, the sure she... right now, isn't it, God? Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure that is the way Seamus. Seamus looks at it, and I, I, I hate, I hate that thing where you say, "Oh, such and such is a great player," blah, blah, blah. But he's won nothing, or he can't be a great player. He's got zero trophies. But I've seen a lot worse players than Seamus when I have a load of trophies. Doesn't necessarily mean the best player because they won trophies, and and I think we forget that it's not all about success if you're being a, you know, a very good player or not, or whether that you, whether you've had a successful, you know, a a successful career. It, 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 you measure it by other stuff, and, and one of them is the respect and love that fans have for you, and appreciates your commitments, and 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 within that also what you've done at important moments in games, and but Coleman's ticks a tick basically all that boxes as me during his career. It's actually a factor at the moment. I mean, we've been covering the Jordan Pickford contract. Situation. I mean, our understanding that talks are on hold right now while Everson's Premier League status is in the balance. But Frank Lampard was asked about this ahead of the Boxing Day game, and he said, you know, perhaps other teams could um, offer Jordan Pickford Champions League football. And Frank, someone who uh, been 
blessed with playing Champions League football on a regular basis during his own playing career. But he was saying, you could say, well, cynical point of view, he's going to say this as Everton manager at the time. But for him, he said he wasn't always the be-all and, and end-all of it. And then they have the understanding that Jordan is happy at the club and, and, and he's, he's settled. Um, why does he necessarily need that um, elsewhere? I mean, it changes as Everton go down, of course, but if they are still a Premier League club, he's won all 50 of his England caps as an Everton player. So it doesn't necessarily need to have that um, per se. I'd, I'd say just going back to Seamus, I mean, about winning a, uh, winning a trophy. He just was, doesn't want his legacy sullied by a relegation now at the end of his career. I think that's got to be uh, the biggest priority now is that not having that to blot his copybook. Yeah, that's why he scored that goal on uh, Southampton. But no, I, 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 you know, I don't really, I've never really understood that. Oh, he's not a great player. He won no trophies. That's just therefore the the Crowley can't be too. Like, I've seen a lot of bad players win trophies. Where yeah. that's happened. So I, I just think um, he's had he's had a great having career, hasn't he? And he's been a wonderful servant of the club. And I, I certainly don't think his time. Saving the club is, is ended by any any stretch of the imagination. Right, gents. I think we will leave things there. I think we've shooed them out of the fat enough about Everton and all things Shane was Coleman. But we will, of course, be back on Friday to look back on Sean Dyche's pre Aston Villa press conference and, of course, look ahead to Saturday's huge game as United raise Aston Villa come to Goodison Park for day. Chris, Gab, thanks very much for joining me. You'll be listening to the Hope Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.